Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. The Union of Musicians and Allied Workers has published an open letter calling for higher pay for artists performing at South by Southwest. Around 2,000 artists and bands have signed the letter saying that over the past 10 years, showcasing artists have been paid either $250 for a band, $100 for solo artists, or get a free wristband to the festival. Last week, I caught up with Renee Klajic, who's an organizer behind the letter and also an artist who goes by the stage name of Ziemba, as well as Alia D'Alessandro of the Seattle band Trace Leches, who has written a song about how this issue has played out at other festivals. And that song is called 250. I first asked Renee about what a showcasing artist is for South by Southwest. The way that South by Southwest works in practice, there are official South by Southwest music showcases that artists may perform at. Then there are also many unofficial showcases and, of course, other types of events that happen during that two-week period at South by Southwest. But um, the official South by Southwest festival um, is often, you know, the reason why artists will plan whole tours around coming to perform. And it's at that festival that artists have had the same bad deal for over a decade, um, where they have to choose between either a wristband to attend the festival or a low fee of $250 for bands or $100 for a solo act. So anyone who is officially performing at South by Southwest is getting paid $250. Yeah, so that's the official rate for performing artists at South by Southwest. Though actually on Thursday, um, South by Southwest Sydney just announced the new festival that they'll be having in October, and they're offering no compensation to performing artists whatsoever, while still requiring the $55 application fee, which basically amounts to pay to play. Ali, I can see you and you're like, you're like covered your ears in surprise because <laughs> Alia, you've been offered to play at South by Southwest before and you got offered 250, right? Right. And, you know, we didn't take the 250. We took the wristbands because the wristbands are what, like a thousand dollars. And there was four or five of us on that tour. So, you know, in, in, including our crew, you know, so this was our first time at South by Southwest. We wanted to take advantage of the opportunities there. So we wanted to be able to go around and talk with musicians and see the shows. And And we weren't going to be able to do that if we didn't take the wristbands because there was no way that we'd be able to afford the four or $5,000 that it would take for all of us to go. So we didn't get paid anything. Yeah. And your tour was kind of based around South by Southwest, wasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's because South by Southwest and Treefort are right around each other. And if you're coming from Seattle, that is such a great loop to do. You can hit up, you know, like nine different 
states kind of in that loop that's uh that's very convenient to package together in that way and it's great you know it it's great promotion too if you're on those festivals of course there's going to be more write-ups about you along the way and so that does get more people out to your shows and it's the artists at the end of the day that are making the festival happen so they it, that's no replacement for monetary compensation yeah. And Renee, can you talk a little bit more about what you're asking for in this letter? Um, so we have four demands. We are demanding that South by Southwest increase payments to $750 for all artists, not differentiating between bands and, and solo or duo acts. So actually it's it's both solo artists and duos who get the hundred bucks right now. Um, so that's our first demand. And then we're also asking that they include a wristband to the festival in addition to financial compensation instead of forcing artists to choose between attending the festival that they're performing at or getting paid, which by the way, South by Southwest reported that it's only something like 20% of performing artists take the compensation. Most artists take the wristband. So that means the amount that they're paying out is pretty low. When you factor in all that they're bringing in from those application fees, it's really from their millions of dollars of revenue, very little of that is going to artists. And how much is the application fee again? It's $55. So during that same period that payment artist has not increased at all, the application fee has gone up from $40 to $55. Is it pretty common though? Like if you're invited to a festival to not get a wristband for that festival? Not in my understanding. Aldia, what do you think? I feel like it's 50-50. I know one festival specifically um, where we actually debuted the song live was Capitol Hill Block Party. And that one was very pertinent to the song because we were getting paid two fifty. The ticket prices were either two fifty or a little bit over per person, and um, they would not give you a ticket to the festival. You could you could hang around on the day that you played, but that was it. So there's a lot of other local musicians that they're like, I want to come see you play, but I'm playing the day after, and vice versa. So. But, you know, there's other art, there's other festivals at like Tree Fort that give you an artist lounge. They give you payment and they give you access to the festival and, and even put you up in our experience for, for it. So it's it really depends on each festival. Yeah, interesting. So, Alia, I'm curious. Tell us more about like when you wrote 250, like what was happening and what were you observing like that inspired you to write that song? Like how often were you seeing this number 250? I would say it was pretty much um, every festival or also for not just festivals, but for um, opening for any kind of national act. Um, And that still goes on as of very recently. I was seeing it any time that we weren't booking our own shows and headlining for our own shows. What was going on in my head when we wrote this was really the blackout dates, which are now illegal to do in Washington. Yeah, it's the radius clause where if you got booked, if you got booked, you couldn't play again for what was it? Like a 30 days? No, it was much more than well, it was it was um like 30 days before and 30 days after. So and so, so if you played Capitol Hill Black Party, you couldn't play like the tractor the next, right. you know, another two weeks after or something. So you just couldn't play for like, and I forget how big that radius was, but it was a pretty sizable. Sure, it was. It took up like you know we would have to go to a different state basically in order to 
to play other shows and and so my thought was okay that's fine if if but but then pay us out for those months you know and the conversations i would have for the people asking to book us out for that time was always no we can pay you 250 we can pay you 250 and and i would kind of argue with them over email hey you know like that how are we going to you know, how are we going to, first of all, 250 is not enough for even three people, let alone if we're doing a bigger version of the band, four or five people, that's not enough to pay for, for one gig versus you're asking us to block off, you know, two to three months. How are we supposed to make any sort of, you know, living or profit off of that as, as musicians? How would we make that sustainable? And, you know, whatever I wrote back would just be like, yeah, sorry, 250. And so that's why I, that song, like everything is like 250, 250, 250, because they were really like hitting you over the head with it. And then, of course, when I released that song and we played it live, then everybody that paid us 250 was like, oh my gosh, why would you say that? Why, why didn't you just come talk to us about it? And it's like, well, we, we did. And, and now we're going to have a public conversation about it. Renee, it looked like you had you had a comment you wanted to share. Oh, well, I just, before we moved on from our demands, so we had four demands total, so I only told you the first two. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> our third demand is to get rid of the application fees um, for artists that cuts into whatever possible money they would make out of performing. Um, and our fourth demand is to not have different rules for international artists, because right now, international artists who perform at South by Southwest have to take the wristband. They aren't offered compensation at all. So to give the same deal to international artists. I also want to add that really messes up with international artists. And it's, it, it's going to it's going to mess up even more because um, the Department of Homeland Security is planning to to raise the visas for mm-hmm. for international artists by well two hundred fifty percent. Oh my gosh, you're no, totally right. No, it is. It's like four hundred sixty <laughs> to one thousand six hundred fifteen that they're planning on doing, and and it's you know it's really and it's it's you know it's pretty racist and inequ- inequitable because if you think about, I mean, this is how it usually is with immigration, right? Like if you think about the parts of the world where you probably make enough money that you can afford to pay those visas, you know, it's it's majority white areas and and the the places where like we're we're gonna lose so much diversity in in what we see coming into the u.s and and really that's our our loss as uh music lovers too like i'm i'm very concerned about my favorite artists are from abroad and and i'm very concerned that they're not going to be able to come here and especially if an international festival like South by Southwest, it's really in their favor to pay these artists because they have to deal with those visa fees like that and, and coming from farther away, not to mention the plane tickets and all the things that go along with that. So if you're not giving them any money, how the heck are they supposed to get over here? 
Well, and of course, the music industry has, you know, pretty profound problems with diversity and people who come from financial privilege or have access to greater financial resources have access to greater opportunity, right? But so, yeah, what do we lose when beyond international artists? I mean, of course, it's especially obvious when international artists don't have the opportunity option of any compensation whatsoever. But still for for US artists too, those who are able to go, you basically have to be able to take a financial loss. <laughs> um, because if you're in a band with, you know, four or five members, I mean, how how can you make money from that? Um, so yeah, you set up a system that is going to harm the the ability of the festival to bring in a, a diverse group of artists and represent diverse perspectives. And we all lose. Yeah. And it's funny you bring this, the visa thing up, because we will be talking about that uh, later in the show, because uh, it's pretty crazy how much that increases. And that if you're a band, it involves, you have to pay that increase for every member of that. Band. Yes. And it's not even including airfare or, or, or the gas money when you get here or the rental of the van or the equipment or the merch. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, going back to the South by Southwest issue. So South by Southwest issued a statement and I'm going to read it for you all to have you inter- or react to it. So, um, they wrote back and said, South by Southwest is honored to host over 1,400 showcasing acts every March. We're committed to creating professional opportunities by bringing emerging artists together with media, the global music industry, and influential audiences. We appreciate the feedback from the UMAW that, again, is Union of Musicians and Allied Workers. And then they continue and they say, and we'll be doing our policy review after next month's event. Curious what your reaction is to that statement. It's really telling that immediately after issuing that response, they then announce this even worse compensation deal for South by Southwest Sydney, where they're not going to offer any payment to artists at all. So it certainly doesn't uh, inspire much optimism to get a statement that we're going to we're going to look into it down the road while they're pursuing new new plans to offer artists an even worse deal than the already bad deal that we've been having for you know over a decade. Well, these are all my questions. Is there anything else that either of you want to add on this issue? South by Southwest is a multi-million dollar enterprise that generates profound economic benefits for the city of Austin. It's owned by Penske Media, which is a massive corporation. Um, they own a number of other media outlets. This is a massive company. They have the ability to compensate artists. Alia? Whenever I think about artist pay versus exposure, I love to bring up the uh, comedian and actress Tiffany Haydish. Uh, and when she got offered to host the Grammys, uh, the, the Grammys said, Hey, we're not going to pay you for this. You know, it's something that you do for exposure. And I can't remember the exact quote, but, um, I saw it on Instagram and Tiffany said something of the effect to, if you want me, I'm, it's because I'm already exposed. And that's, and that's exactly how I feel it is on all levels of, of artistry, whether you're, you know, you're playing for a, a local venue or doing an, an international, national, whichever festival. If the festival wants you there, it's because they feel like you're gonna, they're gonna, you're gonna make their festival better. 
And so you need to compensate the artist for that and not pretend like you're you're doing them a favor because your festival wouldn't exist without that artist. And there's a reason why you're asking that artist to be there. You're not, you know, there's never any handouts. There's no festival that's like, well, we didn't have enough applications this year, so I guess we'll book this artist. It's like, no, you you intentionally chose every artist there because you think it's going to make your roster better. So value that artist and lift it up all the way. Don't devalue the artist. Don't devalue your own market. Well, we will post a link uh, to the open letter um, that was organized by the Union of Musicians and Allied Workers, of which um, Renee Klajic is is helping organize. Um, we'll post a link to that on the Real Time playlist and on um, our podcast notes. Renee, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about South by Southwest and for advocating for higher pay. Alia, thank you for joining us to talk about how prevalent getting paid two fifty at festivals is. And uh, we're going to go out playing Alia's song. Um, she's a part of the band Trace Leches uh, and their song called Two Fifty. Alia and Renee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> thank you. So as we just heard, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has proposed a rate increase of 250% in two types of visas granted to performers. The Department of Homeland Security says these hikes are needed due to high demand and insufficient staff at the Citizenship and Immigration Department. Folk Music Ontario has been spreading the word about this issue and helping rally people to send feedback to the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Rosalind Dennett is Executive Director of Folk Music Ontario. It would be devastating. It's uh, already, it's it's hard for musicians. This isn't a reciprocal agreement by any means. You know, um, U.S. artists aren't having to pay the same kind of visa fees to enter into Canada. This is, this is something that the U.S. charges all international artists to perform in the States. And we're not talking like, oh, you're playing an arena. We're talking, you know, if you want to go down to the U.S. and play one gig at a coffee house, you're having to pay this fee. So it's already, you know, at, at 
currently it sits at $460, which is already a lot if you're, you know, an up and coming musician going down to maybe not, not getting the the biggest artist fee when you're going, uh, when you're performing. And that's on top of your travel and your accommodations and your food and your gas money, all the, you know, oh my gosh, if you're traveling with a band, that's, you know, that's, you know, more and more. So the, the cost is already prohibitive to make it, you know, the proposed changes are to increase that $460 to $1,615 per person. And again, that's not counting all the other things. That's just, and US too, US dollars, which is different for quite a lot more for Canadians. And that's per person. So you imagine if you wanted to come down and play a gig, a couple gigs, you know, just to start exploring the market down here, it would be incredibly cost prohibitive. So, you know, it means that the top echelon musicians, the people that are earning the real big bucks are going to be able to afford to come down and our up and coming artists or emerging artists, you know, people just kind of, kind of getting their start. And, you know, and even from there to like the intermediate level too, this, this is going to prevent them from being able to enter into the US to perform. So, you know, it hurts the, the Canadian music scene, but it's also, again, it's international. I also spoke with Liana White, the executive director of the Canadian Federation of Musicians, and they've been lobbying against this proposal. If there is some form of increase, then we hope that it is uh, vastly reduced from what is currently proposed. Uh, within the, the increase, upwards of 251%, they have, uh, USCIS has um, built in a subsidy to uh, assist with their humanitarian efforts, so asylum uh, and humanitarian visas. So part of the fee is actually a $600 contribution to offset the USCIS expenses to process those humanitarian type permits. So while, you know, we definitely support the U.S. government's humanitarian efforts, it cannot be on the backs of artists and small venues. Now, in some situations, it's the artists themselves, the touring artists themselves that are paying these visa fees. And in other uh, cases, it is a U.S. venue or promoter. And those U.S.-based venues and promoters, which uh, whose businesses rely heavily on international touring, will be crippled as well. The U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services has this visa proposal open for public comment until early March. We'll provide a link to that public comment portal in the podcast description. Leanna White also advises people to get in touch with their state and federal representatives. Well, that concludes the show today. Thanks for listening to Sound and Vision, and please take a moment to subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. You can also give a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org slash sound.